Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Hello, and welcome to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. And you guys, I am so excited to introduce you to Zane Landon. He is an authentic storyteller who embraces the social identities of communities and people. I'm really excited to hear you tell us about that concept. He is a mental health and disability rights advocate who encourages others to be vulnerable. You guys know that we're all about that. He has been featured on several platforms and always fights for the underrepresented communities. He is the founder of Positive Vibes Magazine, a digital magazine dedicated to telling authentic stories about mental health, wellness, and inspiration. The magazine has been featured in has featured over 80 voices and reached thousands of readers from over 150 countries. He has secured over 22,000 followers on different social media channels, and they are all tuning into his magazine. He is also the founder and president of Landing Dreams PR, a consulting business working with media and mental health advocates. He also attended the first ever Mental Health Youth Action Forum in Washington, D.C., where he met President Biden, Selena Gomez, Dr. Murphy, and Dr. Biden. Out of hundreds of applications, 30 young advocates across the country attended the forum to advocate for youth mental health, activation, policy, and inclusion. This is impressive, Zane. Tell us more about you and who you are, because this I'm, I'm loving this conversation already. <laughs> Sure. My name is Zane Landon. I'm a Gen Zer. I'm 25 years old. I originate from the land of California. I am now a transitioning phase of being a DC native, which will never happen, but a DC well-versed person because I'm actually working at the National Geographic Society now as an internal communication specialist. The role is hybrid. And so I needed to move to Washington, DC, which Still feels a bit ethereal because I never thought I would be in the nation's capital working at, you know, this type of brand doing amazing work all the time, doing what I love, which is communications. But I do love this element of internal communications because how do you keep your organization? How do you embrace community at your organization? I think internal communications can do a great job at that. So that's a bit about me. And now I've experienced mental health from a young age. So I didn't always identify as an advocate. You can ask more in depth about that later, but I developed more of my advocacy in university. And that's where I really found my passion for advocating and speaking and being vulnerable. And I like that you use the term encourage vulnerability because I don't think that you need to pressure people to be vulnerable because vulnerability doesn't work for everyone. And again, these concepts and this self-discovery, it's not a one size fits all and it shouldn't be designed that way. And so that's why I think you need to encourage vulnerability. I hope you can come to a place where you can live with, you know, your heart unleashed, but, and also I think sometimes being vulnerable can open up a lot of shadows or trauma that the person may not want to explore at this time. And so I think it's important that we're always, um, you know, working with others. Also like I, and using like the trauma-informed method, which is always asking for consent, always considering their journey and what they've gone through. So that is what I would say about who I am. Uh, I love that. There's so much packed into what you shared. So I appreciate that. So I may ask you a few questions in layers, but um, I kind of, I love that you introduced yourself as a Gen Zer. Like that was fun <laughs> as a millennial. I usually don't, but I thought, why not? I just had it, I just had it in my head. <laughs> Yeah, here you are. And I love it. I love it because um, I think this is interesting to me. Growing up as a millennial, let's say when I was in my 20s, so you're 25, you said. 
So as a millennial in my 20s, I felt like Gen X or boomers would, there's a lot of like, you're entitled or, you know, like all these like stereotypes about millennials. And I'm seeing that now that there's a generation under me that we can poke at, right? That, oh, these Gen Zers, they this, they that. There's these like negative assumptions or connotations. And everything you said is it would be the opposite of what someone might criticize a Gen Z or for, right? Like your involvement, your activism, your, and very specifically not to generalize, but I remember feeling generalized and to then say, I'm not, I'm not what, you're saying I am like, I'm very ambitious. I'm very compassionate. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm a go-getter. And so, um, I'm, I was just so present that you led with that and it really stuck out to me. So I was excited about that. <laughs> so thank you. No, go ahead. Of course. No, of course. And, um, you know, it's part of my identity. And I think that that is one of the dangerous things we can do when it comes to working together with different generations is yeah. again, assuming what the values are that each generation holds. And I have heard that, that millennials are, millennials are entitled and Gen Zers even more entitled. And it seems like the, the younger the generations are, they're going to be even more entitled. That's not necessarily true. I just think right. that we present ourselves in very different ways. And I think, again, it all goes back to communication. Maybe baby boomers and Gen Xers were not very communicative with their emotions, but um, millennials and Gen, Gen Zers are, and I guess that can make them look entitled. And, but I think that there's entitlement from every single category, every single place. I just think that the reason why yeah. these years millennials might look like that is because, again, I think a lot of, not all of them, but, you know, we're encouraged more to share our emotions and to live our life with our hearts. And I think that there was a long time where boomers and Gen Xers kind of had to just push through the trauma or push through what they've had to go through. And I, I feel for that. And I wish there was more of an empathy yeah. for that from my generation, because a lot of times I hear the older generation are to blame for the current systems. And it's like, you have to understand, for one, not all of them agreed on that system. And yep. two, they've had to endure that system for a long time, too. And they didn't have the voice. Maybe they, they yeah. did bring up mental health during the workplace. They would get fired. Nowadays, yeah. you can openly talk about it. So I understand there may be pushback, but like we need to figure out this way to work together and share that communication. And again, it's really how you communicate. I think that is the biggest difference between yeah. the generations. And of course, different values. But I think the major thing that can combine, that can connect us is communication and empathetic communication like actually really listening to what the person has to say and not assume because i think that we get so boggled in what we assume in generalizations and stereotypes i think that's a very dangerous thing because then we look at the identity of the person like looking at me as a gen zer and you assign these different beliefs that i might potentially have or my attitudes rather than exploring me as a person and that goes vice versa i hope that makes sense it makes a thousand percent sense and I also love the reversal of upwards too, right? Like we are all, we've adapted or we're growing up in the world we're growing up in and it's not the same world for each generation, right? Like we were in our 20s and 30s during the pandemic experience. Like, and you know, there's all these different conversations and a lot of like blame or pointing fingers and there's no collaboration in that. And I love that that's what you pointed out is like understanding, compassion, empathy, listening, like that's the way forward. And I know that as an advocate, that's what you're leading with. And so tell us, I would love to hear, you had said something very specific, like about your own mental health journey, that your mental health advocacy didn't start till let's say university. What was your youth like? What led you to this point? Yeah, I will answer that. I want to go back just real quick because I, again, sure. on the thought of kind of what you said, 
I think assigning blame and pointing blame is one of the most unnecessary things we can do. I think it's important to say this specific person may have um, may need improvement here. This team may need to improve here. And I say improvement. I'm not saying they failed. I think we need to redesign how we look at failure and setbacks rather than them wow, being that, that they are moments of opportunity. And even in an interview where someone asks, what are your weaknesses? These are not my weaknesses. These are where I can improve. These are my growth opportunities, which I think is the most exciting. I just saw a post on LinkedIn that said, you know, a lot of times you apply for People, some people assume that you should apply for a job that you're 100% have all the qualifications for. I don't think so. I think that there needs to be something on there that you don't have experience in or you have very little experience. So there is room to grow and learn. If you're 100% capable of a job, I don't know what you're going to learn. So I think 100%. There's, there's always room for to learn in those capacities. But yeah, going back to my youth, I, I think I, I would say I had a, a pretty nice childhood. Um, there were, you know, I've had issues like everyone else, my, my family worried about money, um, a lot of family issues, mental health. There was a lot, but I think a lot of families experience this. I just don't think a lot of the family dynamic is a lot of people don't speak about this. So again, especially kind of the older generations. I know that's like a, that sounds like I'm general generalizing, but that's just what I've observed. Um, so that's what I would say. And so I had a pretty decent childhood, but from a young age, I experienced high intense levels of anger, depression, anxiety, isolation. I really had a, difficult time socializing with other kids, mostly because of my sensitivity. I was a very sensitive child. And I wonder if that's how we frame it, if I was too sensitive or if the world wasn't sensitive. <laughs> so, you know, I always wonder about that, but I, I was pretty sensitive and I still am. I consider myself one of those uh, highly sensitive people, which is a HSP, which is a, a real term written by an actual author. I don't remember the author, but it's all about people who are highly sensitive people. And it's very interesting in how to work with people that are really highly sensitive and to be aware of that. So I, I saw a psychologist up to the point like um, the end of elementary school and then to the end of high school is where I really saw a psychologist. For a very long time, I was in the mental health care system and I learned a lot. You know, you, it's not only that you're receiving help, but you're also learning tools that can help you in your mental health journey. And I, I definitely learned those tools but what was interesting was the when I was in university, I did have depression, of course, because you're always going to have it. That's not something that kind of goes away. And I would get it here and there, but it didn't get really bad until I think it was in my either my third or fourth year where I was engaging in self-harm, like literal physical self-harm, which I've never done before, which was a scary, uncharted territory I was exploring. It was very difficult. I don't even remember why I did it. It's really interesting why you choose to do it. And I think I chose to do it because it was very relieving. And I'm not telling, I want to say disclaimer because I don't want to sound like it's relieving. It's not relieving. It felt relieving, but it's not because I'm hurting myself. That's not relieving at all. I just wanted to make a disclaimer. It's never okay to do that. And so I don't, you can still see some marks on my arms, but they're mostly gone now because it, it wasn't that deep, which I'm happy I didn't, but I was still engaging in self-harm. And I definitely was having suicidal thoughts all the time. And again, throughout my life, I have experienced that where I have thought about wanting to die, but it was never that extreme. It was very difficult. And I feel like my life was just in pieces all over the place. I had no direction. I was changing majors constantly in university. I was not around a lot of people, like not around like, I didn't have a lot of friends. And then I was with, I was my first time dating someone. People were against it. And there was just so many things happening at once. 
and it just kind of spiraled like a roller coaster, just going decline. And that was very difficult. And that was when I so much going on and I was doing horribly in school, which is different for me because I usually would do relatively well in school, but I was so, I was doing really bad. I had huge, huge concentration issues. And then eventually I decided to just withdraw from that semester, just withdraw, come back and re-envision myself. And I really determined, be honest more, surround myself with better people, Mm. communicate my needs and actually start reaching out for help. And also after that whole thing, I realized that this was a bigger issue than myself. I always knew mental health existed. I mean, my mom told me when I was like 14 that it's okay to take mental health medication. So I was very aware of the stigma of mental health, but when you experience it to that severity, that's where you're really inspired to make change because you never knew that it existed on that level. And again, I knew it was, but when you personally experience it, it's a huge difference. And so after that is where I was like, I'm an advocate now. And I, I was a disability mm-hmm. advocate before that, just doing minor things here and there. But after that, it was a kind of a transformative trajectory, like totally different skyrocket in like this advocacy journey, which was getting involved in several organizations, learning as much as I can about the mental health community, learning about the different intersections of it, how it applies to me and how I can get involved. And that has set me on this path. And that was kind of the first time I really saw myself as an advocate. Because if you think about it, I never had to advocate for myself, which I think is a fortunate thing. Because there are a lot of people that their parents don't believe in mental health care and they have to advocate for themselves, which I wouldn't even know how to navigate as a child. I think that's incredibly difficult. But luckily, mm-hmm. my parents knew about mental health and were aware. And that's why I always encourage parents, please be open-minded to mental health because a lot of people are experiencing it. And despite that, if your child really is having a decline in their mental health or needs mental health care, it's not a reflection of you as a parent. There are instances where, of course, sometimes the parent did cause you some mental health conditions or symptoms, but sometimes it's not. And try not to look at yourself as a parent and just see like, okay, this is what's happening. Mm. What can I do? How can I show up for my child in a way that maybe I didn't before or even more supportive now? And let me see if I can get them that help. Is that actually so sad when children have to experience resistance from their parents when all they want is just feel better because they... And again, if you're not getting support from your parents, you're going to feel even worse because you think it's completely you. When sometimes with mental health, it's completely uncontrollable. You have no control over it. So it just makes you feel worse. So that's what I would say about that. Yeah, beautiful. And so thank you for sharing your journey with us. And at what point did you start your magazine? I started the magazine in 2020, which was after this happened. I'm pretty sure it was it was a year after, like literally a year after. And this was the time where COVID started. It was in March of 2020. It was, of course, when COVID kind of became a huge global issue. And then I started the magazine in May of 2020. And I was taking a class on copy editing and we needed to, our final project, we needed to create our own publication. And so I I decided that I wanted to see a publication based on mainstream positive storytelling because... Um, the mainstream media has always done a huge disservice to mental health, whether it is to vilify people or if it's to justify bad behavior, which I think is a really confusing sentiment. Like it's really interesting how mental health has been hijacked to support a narrative rather than let's just address mental health. No, it's either uh, this happened because of mental health or it's, it's obviously it's mental health because they're a terrible person. I hate seeing like these why dynamics of like complete differences. And I see it from so many angles. I'm like, I can't with the mainstream media treating mental health this way, especially not just like news channels, but like movies and television shows and how they depict mental health. And 
you have seen, um, there are some great examples. One of my favorite shows growing up was Degrassi. Uh, and I will say that Degrassi didn't have the best portrayal of mental health at times, like eating disorders, but they had like a whole season dedicated to suicide awareness and it really opened your eyes to the small things people say because not everyone's going to come forward and say, I want to die. There are a lot of people that might just say, I'm just feeling so terrible. Every day is just a struggle. When you hear something like that, that's where it's like, okay, I need to pay. I mean, you always need to pay attention, but it's like, wow, I really need to give this person a lot more support because what's going on in their life. And sometimes it's a little subtle things. And that's kind of like what I learned through that show. And so you can have positive examples of, mental health storytelling in the media. And that's what I wanted. Of course, the magazine has not reached anywhere mainstream, uh, but I, it, it's still like the motivation for starting. I wanted to challenge that. And I would actually love there to be more mental health segments on the news. If there was a whole um, news channel on positive news, that would be exciting because again, the, the magazine title, um, Positive Vibes Magazine, I know a lot of people look at the the kind of like the idea of positive vibes is kind of like a form of toxic positivity and people don't who don't people don't know that that is that's kind of like when you need to ignore the bad and just embrace the good when i really think to live holistically you need to embrace every single dimension of who you are that's negative that's the anxiety that's the happiness because it all plays a part even if like if anyone's not seen inside out you learn that each emotion is connected and it all serves a purpose even if it doesn't seem like that purpose is clear. So that's what I would say. So positive vibes really is about finding that positive attitude, that positive mindset. And positivity is really about embracing your authentic self, living your heart unleashed, I think is what true positivity is. And it's not avoiding the bad. I think if you're going to be a positive person, you know, and you understand that bad things happen. That's why some of the most people who have gone through the most traumatic things are some of the most positive people because they know what it's like to be there and they want to spread positivity so other people can feel good. I love that. Love it so much. Also just want to say in and out is a great movie. I wanted to back up to that because I think more people could afford to see that one. But just thank you for uh, the word that's coming to me right now is like normalizing normalizing that there's the range, the spectrum of emotions. And I appreciate that you referenced toxic positivity because we're often, we think that we should have no bad thoughts. And so we suppress, avoid, you know, distract, compartmentalize all of this negative emotion. And sometimes that can cause an eruption, especially if we have no coping skills or if we've not, it's not been like the range has not been normalized. And so I find that very uh, effective, very special or important that you shared that and mentioned it. Thank you so much for that. And so now as an advocate, it sounds like you're incredibly involved. You've moved to Washington, D.C. I know you're with National Geographic, but you attended this uh, youth conference. I'm I'm using the wrong word, I'm pretty sure. But um, forum, thank you. So you attended this. What does your continued involvement look like at this point? Yeah, let me explain what it is. And oh, with yeah, please. <laughs> with, the, with the magazine, I will just say, I think that that is the reason that I was accepted to the Mental Youth Action Forum because it was something I started. I could speak on it as an entrepreneur. I was also addressing media and mental health, which is what the forum was about. And what I love about the magazine, it's changed my life completely because of the people that I've spoken to, what I've learned is, and I, I've had a, I had a little grasp on this where I considered like everyone has a powerful story. But when I actually when in the weeds of actually interviewing people and hearing some of the most daring, traumatic, bold stories I've ever heard. And it's like, 
you're one person. And I'm not saying like that's insignificant. No, no, your story is absolutely significant, but it's like, you're one person. There's billions of people on this planet. It's like, wow, every one of us has such a strong, rich story. I really am saddened when people say they're not a storyteller or they're not imaginative. And it's like, because you think that. Every one of us has the power to be that. Everyone is a storyteller. Just like the, the Ratatouille movie with, you know, everyone can cook. Everyone is a storyteller. You're just not allowing yourself to be one. And there's always a way to be a storyteller and to learn how to effectively tell your story. And sometimes just telling your story is enough. For some, some have to tell it a certain way. But, you know, there are many people that just sharing your story and that experience is, can be really like substantial and really like influential to a lot of people. So I, I would say the magazine helped me so much in several areas with connections, professional development, spirituality, because I've interviewed spiritual leaders. And I think, again, that was what really gave me a, that strong platform that I needed. And I was always around myself because if I wasn't involved in an organization, I had the magazine where I was always challenging myself to be positive and to learn about mental health. And I saw the forum that was this new program that was hosted by MTV. It was going to be at the White House and people at the White House, of course, were involved. And also like several nonprofits were, were a part of it too. That were partners like Jed Foundation, like uh, Born This Way, NAMI, Active Minds. And so if you don't know what these organizations are, they're just some of the biggest mental health organizations in the country. And when I saw these organizations, I knew the stakes were high and I knew that this was a very important event because these important stakeholders were involved. And I already knew about Active Minds. That's where I kind of first started with my mental health advocacy because they're, they support, you know, university, like university mental health. And I, you know, I decided to apply and I knew I was going to apply. There were many times where imposter syndrome lurks in your mind. And this kind of goes into the whole, I don't even say it's so interesting, like the whole, what you were saying before about you know, avoiding your negative thoughts. We have more negative thoughts than positive. A lot of negative thoughts throughout the day. I think instead of looking at them as negative, look at them as this is how you feel about yourself, but take yourself away and prove yourself wrong. Um, and so like, you know, sometimes when I said, I'm not qualified for this mental health youth action forum, I said, no, those fears are not the fears of the forum. It's the fear of me becoming great. I think that, that is something that I learned that, you know, when you have some of the fears that come in your mind, it's really the fear of you succeeding. That's what I think. And that, and also the fear of rejection. But I think the biggest fear is, you know, how great you can become with anyone. And so I decided to apply for it. And fortunately I did get in and it was a wonderful opportunity. Like so many opportunities to connect with Zoom, with, with YouTube, with Pinterest. There were so many media partners involved too. And it just opened up so many doors where I got to, you know, I got to like, help monitor this like Pinterest event. I got, I'm going to write a blog on Jed Foundation. I also, you asked for my, my continued involvement. I actually am also serving as a next gen advisor on NAMI, which is National Alliance on Mental Illness. That was really exciting. We just had a retreat and I actually had a news piece that's going to come out this weekend. Um, it was Wednesday. Last Wednesday is when I recorded it. It was the first time I was in a broadcast studio on TV. The Mental Health Youth Action Forum was on TV. Like I wasn't a speaker, but oh, I was a speaker this time. And I'm speaking about my story and suicide. And I was also honored. I was like, this is on time about. This is what I wanted to see during COVID. People talking vulnerably about 
mental health and suicide in ways we haven't seen. And the pandemic was the perfect opportunity to do so. It's unfortunate it didn't happen. But I still think a lot of people, there was a lot of momentum for mental health from the pandemic, which I think was kind of a positive byproduct of it. I think a lot of people were going to, and we focus on the negative, right? Negative news, negative thoughts. We focus so much on these. And it's like, look at the other side of what the pandemic did bring. And I get it though. I'm not downplaying it at all because the so many people passed away during the pandemic and it was really awful. Um, so I'm serving on next gen. It's just a really exciting opportunity. I met the CEO um, and they're here in DC. So it's like perfect where I am. And I also, I think like just giving me the opportunity to serve on next gen is going to be huge for me because of the opportunities that they have, but also just the work they constantly do. And I'm really proud to be a part of it. And I even found out with 500 applications they received, they only chose 10. And I always question why or if I really was qualified for that. And so even when you go through all these stages of development, you still have those imposter syndrome moments happening. Even when I guarantee you, even the president of the United States is, you know, very successful. It's very influential, but I'm sure they still have those moments. And you forget that. I think a lot of times we think of imposter syndrome, we think of young people, we think of people entering the workforce. It's like, no, actually, if I were named CEO, I would probably have major imposter syndrome because I'm given this huge opportunity. So I actually think that even people in higher leadership positions may experience more imposter syndrome because the stakes are higher and there's more uncharted territory there. So yeah, that's that's what my continued involvement looks like. I love it. And I appreciate you mentioning that because I find that to be very true. I work with lots of leaders in different capacities and whether... Um, with them on their climb, whether I've worked with them for multiple years or if I'm meeting them at a peak of their career where they're struggling and they need support or or they're bumping up against different ceilings of success. We often look at the shadow side, what's not being said, what have you not healed yet? What are you currently struggling with? Because it is our imposter syndrome that will, a lot of people might use the term self-sabotage, but ultimately it's, we're not purposely sabotaging ourselves. We're scared. We're protecting ourselves. We're fear, fear of rejection, fear of our ultimate success, fear of how powerful we actually are. Um, yeah. And so you, you hit the nail on many heads. <laughs> you hit many nails on many heads, I, <laughs> or however you'd like to say that. <laughs> and so um, I just think so, so powerful in what you're sharing. And um, it's just really inspiring to hear such a young person taking such a leadership role in the mental health advocacy industry, let's say, because you, you did name a lot of like industry leaders, or like you said, the most prominent uh, nonprofits or initiatives in the country, and you're involved with them. And I think that that's just so fascinating because uh, telling your story, I wanted to circle back to Positive Vibes magazine and featuring people's voices. Obviously, I know you have a sense, this is what we do on Hearts Unleashed is sharing people's voices to, and I, I love what you're saying, because for you to be sitting on Hearts Unleashed saying, I get to live my heart unleashed and I've struggled with and may still sometimes struggle with suicidal thoughts or I've struggled with self-harm. I've struggled with any different issues or mental health issues or facing the question of medication. All These are all things that many people deal with on a daily basis. And when, and you've also mentioned the mainstream a lot. And yes, I do believe it's dripping in very slowly. More of our celebrity types are taking advocacy roles and, and opening their mouths and hearts and, and minds and sharing authentically and vulnerably. And, and that I think is a wave of our generations. Going back to the beginning of the conversation, we are leading in this conversation. And to me, I feel like that's why many of us 
uh, incarnated in this round and to come and bring a new conversation to the table. And so it's really fascinating because um, I think so far in my observation, all of the good news channels are still indie, like independent or uh, still growing because there's like the good news, whatever. Um, there's a mm -hmm. few different initiatives on this. And I have no doubt that there can be that tipping point where it's leaking into mainstream, where we're causing a new conversation, because I feel like it will be so loud that you can't not hear it, you know? Yeah. Wow. So Thank you. Yeah. And so um, I have two more questions for you. And my first one is not to sound redundant because you have shared so much, but specifically in this moment, what have you had to give up in order to have the life you're living right now? Now, I do remember specifically the challenge of I was thinking when I was going to this podcast. So I remember feeling at the foreman thinking, what have I given up? What have I had to sacrifice? I think on this path, I've sacrificed my mental health. I think for the longest time I've sacrificed it and it's not the, the best I could have done. And to go back to your other point, you know, I think acknowledging that you've, you've struggled, you experience these doubts um, or these hardships. And then you say you, you can still live your heart unleashed. It's like, how can you live your heart unleashed if you haven't experienced that? And I'm not saying you can't, but for me, it's like, I wouldn't be myself. I wouldn't be able to live this, this journey if I didn't go through that. And again, not everyone has to go through anything. I think everyone's going to go through something eventually, right? Yeah. But, you know, right now I don't have any regrets. I mean, there are many times I could have made a different decision, but I still made the decision. It wasn't a decision mm -hmm. taken for me. That's different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I hope that makes sense. But totally. yeah, I think one of the biggest things I've sacrificed to mental health. And I think for the longest time, holding a lot of intersectional identities, I've always felt like I've had to please others. I always thought I had to work three times harder than everyone else because I that's just like what I was always observing in school I was I was behind in elementary school I had to be on a 504 plan for being neurodiverse because of my mental health I felt lonely a lot of different things and so I think one of the things I sacrificed along the way was my mental health if it was for to do several opportunities or if it was to work several jobs or if it was to just kind of prove my worth and I think one of the biggest obstacles that I faced was that mindset of the more I do, the more value I have. And I yeah. still struggle with that. I still look at what I've accomplished and I say, this is what brings value. And it's like, that stuff shouldn't bring value though. What brings value is just me existing, mm. right? And I think that that is the most important thing. A lot of people question like, what value do I bring? And of course, people always ask that. What value do you bring to this relationship? What value do you bring to this, this employment? And I, I get it because like you can't <laughs> hire everybody. Yeah. But I also think that you can see the value in those things, but like see the value in yourself just being a person. Mm. And that, you know, your life does matter. And I'm going to go back to suicide because it's like a lot of people think when when they want to die, it's like they don't bring any value that nobody wants them or that they're alone. And again, well, they don't know, but I, I guarantee you that someone is going to be crushed without them. And I mean, I say one person because that to me, that's enough that there is one person's life that will be dramatically changed because you decided to end your life. Yeah. Instead of seeing the value that you did bring people. It's yeah. kind of like the movie of what was that really old Christmas movie? If he, the, yeah, kind of like that where it's like if he were dead look how the world really would have changed mm -hmm. um, and the people around him and so it's like I I want people to think that way that there are people out there that see you maybe they're not 
showing up in the ways that you want. And I hope they do one day, or I hope you find those people that, that will give you the love you, that you desire, but know that your existence is very valued and yeah. appreciated. It just might not be how you think it is. Like a lot of times people have a hard time complimenting. Are you really going to go up to someone and say, I, I pre well for some, but it's, it's hard for people to go. I appreciate you. I see you. Uh, I appreciate your existence. A lot of people aren't going to say that. And so, you know, accept the love that you have. And I understand for some, it feels like they don't have any, but I know that there's someone out there that does care. I love that. It's a wonderful life too. The movie. Ratatouille, soul. Uh, it's a wonderful life. We've got a, we've got a movie list, movie night marathon to watch, which are all great recommendations, especially for that refresher. Just like, ah, okay. Okay. And you mm-hmm. said something that I thought was really important. Um, I can't remember if I ever read this quote or if I like, it was a, just a, something I a download, you know, but we come to learn what we come to teach. And I really feel like what you're saying, I wouldn't be where I am without my mental health journey, the ups and the downs, if I didn't, you know, go through that. And so you said, I have no regrets. And a lot of us, a lot of people really struggle with, I wish I knew something sooner, or I wish it went different, or, you know, wishing, 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 wishing for something else. When really perhaps we, the life, I I like to believe life is happening for us, not to us. Even the stuff we don't love that's happening at any given moment, but that the things that really challenge us, give us perspective, give us deep innate experiential wisdom that we can't pick up from a textbook. And I think that that's irreplaceable. And so the toughest stuff we face, like you said, grows us to become who we become and decide what path we take. And so I just, I really love that the no regrets or, um, you know, yes, sacrificing the mental health, but it being part of the journey that you're on. Yeah. And and I say like, I have no regrets because while I have made some decisions again, that were (laughs) not the best outcome. And even I could have acted better or I could have behaved better or had a better attitude, but Right now I say I have no regrets because I'm moving forward from those. I'm moving forward from those. I'm also making sure I'm mindful of how I was or the things I've done. And I'm not saying I've done, <laughs> I'm not saying I've done like horrible things, but you know, we all have those moments where it's like, oh, I could have been better there. I probably could have been more sensitive. I yeah. probably could have been, I probably could have communicated that better. Yeah. But yeah, that's what. Yeah, well, because that's what I would say. And it's true. I think that the experiences we have are teachers and lessons and guides. We just need to look at it, look at them that way. I mean, well, we don't need to. I encourage people to do that because it's not for everyone to say the universe planned this or this opportunity is going to take me in a new direction. Because for some, maybe they do get rejected and they actually end up in a worse place, but they don't, maybe they don't know that that's going to lead them to somewhere else. There's a beautiful quote from a a video game that I love. I can't remember what the exact quote was, but it just said that even if their world is taken away, their entire existence, um, no, no, if their entire world is taken away, if everything's taken away from them, they said it's okay though, because every step that you go through is a step closer to paradise. I just Mm. find that interesting. Mm -hmm. And I don't, and sometimes again, paradise is not, you are completely free from pain or emotions. It's, you've gone through this, you've had, you have this positive mindset and you know, whatever you go through, you still have your experiences, your existence, the love in your life. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. And speaking of that, uh, last question for you is what does it look like for you to be living your heart unleashed? To me, living your heart 
unleashes again being cognizant of your emotions accepting every version of yourself and that it's okay to experience the journey as we were saying before we even started this that a lot of people are always kind of pushed to be the best versions of themselves i think it's a positive message but what is the best version of yourself? Am I living the best version of myself? The best version of myself is maybe like multi-billionaire CEO. That's not what I'm living right now. So what the message should be is try your best because that is what's going to get you far. As long as you're always setting those well intentions that you are intentionally seeking opportunity or love or whatever it is that you want, I think that's the most important thing than saying like the best version of yourself and living your heart unleashes giving the world grace, giving yourself grace. Because again, I feel like we focus so much on the world and how we can change it. But it's like, we have to start with ourselves and we have to appreciate the good, appreciate the bad and kind of live this holistic like version of ourselves where again, every section of our identity and who we are is important and it makes us up. I mean, it's like the the definition of intersectionality, but intersectionality feels a lot like social identities. I'm talking about every single piece of you. Even the parts that you don't like, they are you and you really are unique. There's a, I can't remember the exact message, but there's a a Buddhist um, message that you don't compare a peach to a grape. It's not the exact message. There's three fruits, but it's basically saying that these fruits all exist. They're all very different. Why would they compare themselves to each other? Because they're all different and they all hold a different existence and they each hold a different value. And there is someone out there that appreciates one of them. I love that. I love that so much. And I appreciate you. (laughs) I appreciate you being here with us and sharing. And if someone is just loving your message and wants to hear from you more, where can they connect? Where can they find the Positive Vibe magazine and all of that? Well, if you're interested in Positive Vibes Magazine, type it in, Positive Vibes Magazine. I hope it comes up in your search bar. <laughs> if, if not, it is PositiveVibesMag.com. And Positive Vibes Mag is the handle we use for Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Cool. And if you want, and we're always looking for people to feature and people who are interested in actually writing. We're always providing writing opportunities. And the last thing I'll say is for me personally, you have my name. And I make myself very accessible. So Instagram, my handle is really just my name. <laughs> On yeah. LinkedIn, it's my name. So I'm completely accessible. And I am willing to talk about anything you're going through or if you're interested in careers or internships or marketing or PR or starting a business or if you really are having a hard time with your mental health. I'm not a counselor, but I can be a person that listens. Beautiful. Thank you for being a person who shares and a person who listens because it's been a pleasure to have your Unleashed Heart here with us. And um, I just appreciate your vulnerability and for sharing because I'm sure that, and in fact, listeners, thank you guys for tuning in because I hope that you heard exactly what you needed today. I hope that you felt related to and understood and hopefully that this this conversation gave you a sense of perspective and hope and um, maybe even some inspiration and excitement. Maybe it's time for you to advocate for something. Maybe it's time for you to step into your purpose and your passion. So I want to thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast where we are turning dreamers into doers. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.